Welcome to Training Room Talk, where we discuss all things performance, rehab, and education. Welcome back to Training Room Talk. This is Nick Perigini. I'm joined today with Dr. Ray Carr. Hey, how's everyone doing today? And Rob Urbina. What's up? Today we're going to discuss a well-known topic of heating versus icing. We're going to talk, talk about the application of both, bust any myths that may be out there, and hopefully give you guys a clear understanding of how we think about both those modalities when it comes to treatment of acute, chronic, and sport injuries. So we're gonna we're gonna pass this off to Ray to start. Ray's gonna give a little rundown of how he uses ice or heat in the clinic and types of injuries uh, that he'll be using those modalities with. All right. So ice versus heat. Um, so I, I guess I'll start off by saying this. Uh, I am more of an advocate for heat than ice. Um, but I will say this. I think both should be used on a situational basis. Um, for me, I generally use heat more than ice because I feel like most injuries and most people and their presentation, I feel like they could benefit from the added uh, blood flow that they're going to get with heat rather than vasoconstriction, the constriction of blood flow that you get with ice. Um, for ice, I mean, I do feel like there are some situations, um, those situations may be a very acute ankle sprain where you want to control edema and control swelling. Um, sometimes I will use ice and sometimes I use it, you know, oddly enough in the beginning of the session, which I know you see a lot of physical therapist practices used at the end. A lot of times I use it in the beginning to try to flush out the swelling. So then I'll do some other manual therapy. Maybe it's some scraping, needling after that some passive range of motion, some joint moves, because I feel like I get better results with those, uh, with those manual interventions after ice because of the reduced edema. And then I have them go through their session. And I feel like I get the most effective session out of them. Um, but yeah, so on a situational basis, uh, let's go to maybe more chronic pain, maybe someone with chronic back pain. Um, this is a prime example of, I feel like a situation where I would use more heat because I feel like this is an area where we're not worried about any swelling. Um, and I feel like this is an area that we want to get blood flow to. Um, and I will say this, both heat and ice both have uh, mechanisms that provide pain relief. I feel like ice sure does have a greater uh, impact on pain just because of that numbing effect you get from it. But I feel like heat also does provide an analgesic effect that can be beneficial to patients. Um, and when you combine that with some added blood flow, uh, for me and my experiences and just outcomes I've had with patients, I feel like that's what I use the majority of the time. I would say probably nine out of 10 times. So what, what are your thoughts, Nick, Rob? Yeah, uh, they're very similar here. I mean, the, the time where I'm going to be using ice is going to be more in that, you know, acute stage, even immediate stages, whether that's, you know, on the field, uh, at, at a, at a sporting event, you know, in, in the way, you know, a, a more of a weight room type accident and, and we're on site. Um, and again, that's going to be to delay the inflammation response if, if we need to do that. Now, generally, we're not going to be using much ice after, you know, 24, 36 hours or in a most more post-operative um, situation. 
And, you know, a lot of research has come out uh, in the past years kind of explaining the physiology of, of ice and how it, it is simply delaying the healing and inflammation process where typically we actually need to go through the inflammatory process for the healing uh, to occur around, you know, injury or, or trauma in the area. I do, I do like, like similar to Ray, I do like to use heat. Um, before our sessions primarily maybe even with some active uh, uh if we're going to use e-stim using heat and e-stim again to create a, a calming sensation to promote more more blood flow to the area and to create some more awareness around that joint um you know a, a complaint subjective complaints of of stiffness obviously are going to probably warrant um you know heat if, if we decide to go that route uh, but typically that's kind of how we're processing heat versus ice, ice, uh, immediate stages. Um, if we need to sporting events, uh, 24 or 36 hours post, you know, injury. Um, after that, again, we want more active, uh, modalities, whether that be passive range of motion, uh, in pain-free ranges, uh, that's going to be our number one gold standard for, for, you know, acute injuries is let's get that thing moving. You know, the, the idea is you can move, swelling a few different ways you can you can do you can one just delay it through ice two you can passively move it through uh, massage through compression um, that's actually moving the lymphatics through that compression uh, and three you can also move lymphatics and edema through active contraction of the musculoskeletal system so you know you think of a tube of toothpaste how do you move that out well you know you can actually move it with your hands right or if you had a more of an active control like a muscle pump then you can move edema uh, out from a certain area so again that's typically how we're, we're thinking about you know, ice versus heat and um just one other point to add on to nicks um about inflammation i mean don't forget guys inflammation is the first stage of the healing process so when using ice and delaying that, that's not necessarily a good thing. Um, now, at the same time, like in an area of, you know, of significant edema, do we want to use heat and bring more to it? No. But I don't know that ice is always the answer because, again, it does delay inflammation. And, again, inflammation is the first stage of the healing response. So. Yeah, I think big picture there, it depends, right? And, yeah, you know, uh, Rob here is pulling up Gary Ronald's book, which I, which I, I read years ago and wrote a, wrote a, wrote a book on it. Again, you can, um, if you want to, if you want to look up this book, it's called iced the illusionary treatment option by Gary Reinald. He, he does uh, provide a lot of, um, you know, research that if you want to dive into, you can check it out on there. It is a quick read. Um, and again, it kind of goes a, against more, most of the common public knowledge on, you know, just throwing ice on an injury. So if you're interested in learning more about that, I'd recommend iced by Gary Reinald. He's also got a great YouTube talk uh, with Kelly Starrett at the CrossFit Games um, where they go over and talk about the use of modalities like electric stimulation or the Mark Pro for as a, as a you know, instead of using ice on an on a, on a acute injury. I think, um, you know, I'm not – obviously, I'm not using ice and heat as much as you guys are. So, I think my – you know, my input today is going to be just more so like question based, like what, like, let's say someone, um, I think the one of the most common things I think people use ISR is like sprained ankles, right? Someone sprains an ankle, um, you know, immediately after they go home and swollen, 
everyone says, you know, the old adage, like, what, what is it? Uh, rice? Rice. Rice. Which rice. has been. What are, your guys, what are your guys' thoughts on that? And, yeah. you know, yeah. hey, sprain an ankle playing basketball. You know, what would you recommend immediately that day, that night? You know, are you doing yeah. – are you just not doing anything? Are you resting? Are you – you know, thoughts? Here's, here's, here's my take on this, and this may not – this may be unpopular opinion. I think, like, icing is – when people get hurt, like, acutely, when they experience injury, they want to be able to do something. They want to be able to do something about it. They feel like you have to do something about it, right? Just letting the body kind of do its thing or, or even doing active movement – probably doesn't seem enough from a cultural standpoint. We have to do something. We have to put a bandaid on it. We have to ice it. We have to put a, uh, a brace on it. Um, so kind of my, 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 my take on this is I don't think icing is, is a bad, a bad uh, or the wrong way to address a, 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 an acute ankle sprain. But I think the gold standard, again, is going to be um, probably compression with active movement with the muscles surrounding the joint to promote uh, some of the flushing of the, of the traumatic injury um, to get, to get the garbage out, get the good stuff in. Right. So I, I think active movement with compression. Um, if you feel like ice is, you know, uh, belongs in there, it's going to make you manage the pain to go for it. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I'm, agree 100% with Nick. I, if I had to add one thing, Nick, I would say maybe elevation yeah, as yeah, well. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But other than that, I mean, I think that's that's dead on. Um, Love it. I think another thing that a lot, of, especially in baseball, um, you know, pitchers just get done throwing 100, 100 pitches. They're done throwing, and you see this all the time. Yeah. Uh, ice on the shoulder, ice on the elbow for post-game interviews. Thoughts, comments? Great question, Rob. Um, again, I mean, I'll kind of take the similar standpoint as to what Nick said. I mean, that's one route to go. It's not 100% wrong, but is it the most effective? Um, and in this situation, I would have to say no. Um, I think pitchers, after going out and just like you said, they're on the bump for a night, they throw 100 pitches. I think they should be doing something more active. Maybe, you know, maybe it's they're at a level where they can't go run outfield poles, but, you know, something. I mean, they got stuff behind closed doors. Um, whether it's an air dine, some kind of running, but I think an active recovery is the most effective. Yeah, active recovery. And then, again, I think there's, you know, kind of companies like, you know, Mark Pro or, yeah. or these companies that are, you know, promoting, you know, this low-level involuntary con muscle contraction. Again, where it's not creating a stimulus that it's fatiguing the muscle, but it's just a, enough to promote circulation uh, and kind of re return a, of lymphatics an injury that has compiled up from stress to those tissues from throwing. Love it. Um, next question is someone, you know, strains a back deadlifting or squatting. Um, again, immediately after next day after, are you doing the same thing? Are we still promoting movement? Are we, or is that a scenario where we would use heat? Um, thoughts? It I think it, one, it depends on what this person needs to do right now. Like, does this person need to get back in the gym, compete right now? A lot of the people that we see, that's the case. Um, and so maybe some more passive uh, modalities are warranted, whether that means heat to get things moving or, or to take the bite off of the pain. Yeah, I think that, I think that would be a good option. I wouldn't recommend heat in, in an, acute, an acutely strained lower back muscle. 
lot of heat again to get things moving to help you feel a little bit better awesome i love it but i think what trumps everything there is when you get an acute experience of low back pain is to keep it moving it's to find ranges of motion that work for you whether the lumbar flexion and extension rotation side bending is start moving start using those muscles uh, in, a, in a pain-free and even a little bit of pain is okay um, as long as you're kind of listening to your body yeah yeah i would agree 100 percent, nick i think in that situation rob i think you would want to use heat along with probably some other modalities maybe it's some soft tissue work um, and then, yeah, it'd be all about, you know, promoting and reintroducing some pain-free movement. Um, but just like Nick said, it's not always going to be pain-free when you're reintroducing strain and tension and certain movements. Um, you know, sometimes there's going to be a little bit of discomfort and that's okay. Um, so just keep that in mind moving forward. Last one, I think just a quick side note on, on the low back stuff. I feel, um, you know, a lot of people will try to push through it all at times, right? Where they train it back doing something, you know, it's like, oh, I'm fine. And they try to do it again. And then that's where they end up really hurting themselves. So I feel like, you know, a lot of times people need to, hey, just take a step back. It's okay to tweak this, tweak that at times and, you know, just do what you need to do from a, from a modality standpoint. But my last question is, you know, with the heat, like how much do you feel is it, just like a, a relaxation component to it where like they're on the table, the heat just calms them down. They're sitting, relaxing. And then also like, is it actually like doing what heat is supposed to do? Um, likewise with the icing, like, you know, Hey, you have a player come to you and says, Hey, like I love putting ice on my elbow after I pitch. Like, what are you going to tell that player? I, you know, for me, this is a great example of an expectation, right? And like, you know, someone comes into a, to a training room type setting, physical therapy type setting, you know, they're, it's almost like you're expecting to get, you know, some heat, expecting to get some ice with the expectation of receiving this passive treatment and then feeling a little bit better to be able to go, you know, do what you need to be able to do. So, you know, again, is it actually doing what it's supposed to be doing? That can, you know, be up, be up for decision, but I think the process of someone expecting to receive something, receiving that and expecting to feel better after is a big piece of this. Yeah. Unpopular um, opinion. <laughs> I'll start. All right. So with the baseball guy, um, if I had a player who just, you know, has for a long period of time enjoyed, you know, putting ice and feel like he benefits from that a hundred percent. I want to take that from him, yeah. but I would add to it. Meaning maybe I add in some of that running or some of that active recovery. Um, just to kind of, cause sometimes with athletes, as you know, Rob and Nick, I mean, sometimes you have to compromise with them. Right. Um, and then is ice, is he really doing what we think it's doing? I think ultimately bottom line, I think ice is going to restrict blood flow. Heat's going to increase blood flow. How much of how much tissue perfusion do we actually get? That's I mean, that's going to, it's going to vary on really, all right, how warm is that heat? How, how long it uh, does it stay on? Um, and, and I'll say this, like uh, one of the reasons why I don't use much like heat uh, or ice is because I feel like a lot of times, or at least well, I don't use it isolated, um, not with other modalities, but because a lot of times, like if you use that to conclude your treatment, say you put ice on somebody, I mean, I mean, by the time, say it could be the middle of the summer, by the time they get out in their car, 
you know, I mean, that ice, the effect of the ice is going to kind of have worn down already. So I, I think my thing is like, it does blood flow by itself, either constricting it or increasing it by itself affect pain. I don't, I don't necessarily believe that, but I think the, the like kind of novel stimulation um, from the as a sensory component is a thing that can change our perception of how we're feeling and how we're experiencing pain. Um, one more quick thought. You know, I think we're talking about heat and ice, and I think that kind of brings to mind like the cryotherapy chambers and some of the um, some of the um, like saunas or infrared saunas. Um, is that the same thing as just like putting an ice pack on, like heat pack on? You know, the last thing is you know also like how long or how often you know would you be using heat or ice? You know, if you if like again, say someone sprains the back like it would just do like 15 minutes 20 minutes like what's the is there a recommendation is there literature or science to support like hey every half hour on the hour or some type of protocol to promote a, a heat pack or an ice pack whatever it might be i'll start with uh i'll start with like the cryo chambers and the and the saunas um so in discussing heat and ice um I think you can almost break it down. And I think when you apply it, it can be locally with like your ice packs and your heat packs, or you can go into a chamber or sauna. And this is where it has things have more of a systemic effect on us. Uh, And what I mean by that, for instance, um, an ice bath, for instance, or a cryo sauna, like jumping in there is going to, it's, it's a lot different on your body and the physiological effects that it has um, than just applying a ice pack locally. Um, and you actually, you get an added relief of growth hormone due to some regulation from your thyroid, uh, glands, which can be very helpful. Um, and Asana as well, Asana really, I mean, I was once told by one of my mentors, Asana is active recovery in essence. Like it's the same physiological effects and signs behind that as going and doing two by 400 runs after, after a workout. So I think there's a lot of value in there. Um, and maybe Nick, you want to touch on like the frequency and application of heat? There. Yeah. Again, it's going to be very dependent on, um, you know, on the person's injury. So, you know, this is not medical advice. And I, I recommend if you are looking for uh, some guidance on, on application of this stuff that you consult your doctor or physical therapist, but traditionally, you know, we're looking at icing, uh, you know, anywhere from minimum 10 minutes, no more than 20 minutes at a time. Again, in that acute stage within the first 48 hours, uh, same thing can be, you know, said for, for heat, 10 to 20 minutes, um, you know, whether that be a few times a day or when you are experiencing symptoms, um, I would recommend those guidelines. But again, if you are looking for some, some guidance, make sure you consult your doctor or physical therapist on, on those things. Right. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Training Room Talk. Hope you enjoyed our conversation of heat versus ice. This is a you know, very simple um, but confusing topic that, that comes up all the time. Should I use heat? Should I use ice? So hopefully some of the uh, information that we talked about can help guide your decision making when either using it yourself or recommending it to other people. Thanks for tuning in.